there's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry. I used to be a bomb guy. Stand back! Hello and welcome to Joey's Movie Podcast. I am the aforementioned Joey. And joining me today, confident that she is not a honeybee, it's Anna Shedd, ladies and gentlemen. Joey, orange juice, James. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you and your freshly squeezed orange juice over there? Yeah, that that would only be uh, that would only make sense. B that would only make sense in the context of of you, uh, sitting here. Yeah, I completely forgot about that movie. Have you already blocked it out? I've already blocked it out, and it has my favorite person in it. And I already blocked yeah. it out, and that was okay. I've seen probably 1,500 movies in in my life. Yeah, I have never at least that I can remember sitting here right now, sat in a movie, maybe watching me being John Malkovich could compete with this. Yeah. But when a character says something and my entire being (laughs) just goes, huh? (laughs) Just complete confusion. Complete. Like there's, you could have given me a thousand years to guess what was going to come out of that character's mouth in that moment of the movie. And it, I never would have said it. We are uh, speaking, of course, of Wild Mountain of Time. Almost couldn't even think of Remember the name. Remember the it's, name. It's been so long. It was a movie with Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan that got mm-hmm. panned for good reason. Mm-hmm. It's based on a play. And I'm curious, if Emily Blunt made 13 bad movies, yeah. would you go and see the 14th? Yes. <laughs> because to me, she is the kind of talent where it's not her fault if a movie is bad. Mm-hmm. So she will do the best with what she's been given, which actually a lot of actors do. Yeah. I think often you see an actor in a role and you go, wow, they were really bad. But mostly it has to do with the writing yes. because there's only so much an actor can do with bad writing. Totally. Yeah. So for this case, I think if they had done... the same story just written differently maybe even directed differently i think i would love to see the two of them in a movie together yeah i i really like their chemistry i think they're both really talented but there's just only so much you can do with bad material yeah um but i think to to kind of readjust what you said if there are 30 Emily Blunt movies and half of them are bad, would mm-hmm. I still keep seeing them? Yes. Yeah, totally. If she was someone that I didn't know and she only made movies that I didn't like, no, I wouldn't see it. But yeah. because I love her and do think she's talented based on what I have seen, if there are other movies that she makes that are bad, I'm still going to see it because I like the movies that I feel are good. Yeah, totally. The more I've been getting into movies, the more I've been realizing just how important the script is for whether yep. or not a movie is good or bad. Robert Downey Jr.'s father, Robert Downey Sr., um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, once said, uh, anyone can act, few can direct, and nobody can write. Yeah. Speaking to just the importance of a screenplay yeah. and the dialogue and the words that someone ha- someone has. If an actor is given crappy dialogue... There's not much they can do. I mean, the best will make something of it, but... There's a TV show uh, with Pamela Adlon. She's been an actress for a very long time. Um, She mostly does voiceover work, but she's done some... I guess you would call it live action if it's not animated. Um, But she has a TV show on FX called Better Things. And Mm -hmm. in, I think, the first season, maybe, she's teaching an acting class. And she's coaching these two actors in this scene. And she's like, guys guys she like stops in the middle she's like you're never gonna get 
writing that is good. So mm. we need to learn to act with the writing that we have. Yeah. And right now you're trying to overdo this to overcompensate for the fact, like she had this whole argument and she's been in the industry for yeah. several decades at that point, but it's really true. Like most of the stuff that's written or I guess made because thousands and thousands upon thousands of scripts are yeah. written. Only some of them are made. Most of what's made only a fraction of it is culturally societally objectively good yeah. to certain people so it's it's really hard it's really hard to write something and i mean subjectively what you're gonna think is great writing yeah. is not what i'm gonna think is great writing yeah. so i mean that's it's a tough tough thing to to figure out yeah for sure i'm very excited to talk about movies with you today we are doing um our top 10 lists of 2020 um i want to start by talking about the year in movies as a whole um, I kind of like looking at movie years and like what makes a good mm -hmm. movie year and, and bad movie years. Um, I personally thought that 2019 was the best movie year of the 2010s, of the of the past decade. There was just a lot of, of killer movies last year. I'm going to have to look at that, but keep talking. From all the way across any kind of spectrum, like blockbusters and small indie films, um, new directors, um, you know, old classic directors like Tarantino and Scorsese. Um, there mean, was sorry. <laughs> You can't. That was a that was a kind of audible eye roll from me. Yes, of course. Going. That's 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 fine. Um, but yeah, there was just a lot of great stuff. Kind of no matter who you were, there was some stuff to get excited about. It was a huge box office year. Um, there was just a lot of great stuff going on in 2019. Um, I don't think this year though. Are, are you looking at a, like a, a list of 2020? Yeah, I'm just looking at. Movies? Well, I'm just looking at um, like you and I both use the same movie app, and so I was just looking at the different lists I've made of favorites of the past. Of yeah. each year of the past decade and just kind of seeing how many favorites I have if they're comparable to other favorites yeah um because you do speak uh in exaggerated <laughs> terms sometimes I do um and so I just wanted to kind of ground that uh <laughs> in some potential objectivity to see how right you are or how much I agree with you yes, I guess totally. I don't I, I don't like saying you're right <laughs> I try to avoid that whenever possible. All right, I, I will. I will tentatively give you that. Could be a fun episode. Is like battle of the movie years. That could be a fun premise for an episode. Of, We've of, already. I mean, you and I personally have done. Yes, that. we have. We, we have. We just kind of we like did research together, and then we went and we just talked for like thirty minutes about yeah. all these. It was really really fun. Yeah. Absolutely. So you listener, I encourage you to do that with your friends. <laughs> um, I don't personally think that the, the year twenty twenty is going to rank very high in terms of the twenties decade. It'll be interesting looking back and especially looking back at 2021 versus 2020 at some of the movies that were kicked or bumped from the 2020 true. calendar. I didn't well, think about it. It'll that. be interesting to see if 2021 is a really, really great movie year. Looking at the slate, I don't think it's going to be, but you never know. You you really never know well, I mean, when something is going to work or not. The the If you're going in terms of like award season, it's really impossible to know until November of that year you know, what movies are going to be the top ones because they're all yeah. smaller movies, you know? You're not going to get uh, Infinity War nominated for Best Picture, <laughs> right. uh, which fans would argue it was incredible, but right. if it just depends on what kind of avenue you're going with of what's quote-unquote best. Yeah, totally. Um, one thing I wanted to say about this year is that it was an incredible year for women in movies, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. Um, completely unintentionally, I was looking 
at my top 10 list that I'm going to be sharing today. Yep. And five out of the 10 um, are movies that are either directed by women or feature a woman at the center of the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't even trying to have like a fair and balanced list. Those just really were my f- like five of my favorite movies mm-hmm. of this year. Um, and even going past my top 10, there's just a lot of really great um, performances by women, mm-hmm. female directors. Um, and I think... Chloe Zhao, the director of Nomadland, is going to win Best Director for this I year. I want... I mean, I haven't seen Nomadland, and I really am looking forward to it, but there is... I, I would put Regina King up against totally. her. Yeah. Um, as, as the winner for the Best Director overall. So, I, I don't know. We'll see once I see Nomadland. Yeah. But for me right now, it's Regina King all the way. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, either way, it would whether it's Chloe Zhao or Regina King, they, they would be the second woman in history to win best director just, at the Academy Awards. Which is just, um, I don't know. know off the top of my head how many nominated, how many women have been nominated for best director, Not but many. I can't imagine it's that Not many. Not many. Yeah. No. I'm really looking forward to talking about some of these, some of these movies. Um, the way this is going to work is we are going to go back and forth starting uh, at, at 10 and work our way down to one. Um, we're going to spend a couple minutes on each film. Um, I just want to give a disclaimer that I did not fully debrief Anna about uh, how this episode <laughs> was going to go. She thought this was a more Oscars related episode than yep. it is actually going to be. Um, we are just sharing our personal favorites, the movies that made us happy, what we thought was best, what we enjoyed Listen, watching this year. Audience, this is going to be as new to you as it is to me. So we're both going for a ride today i like to keep you on your toes how do you feel about going first <laughs> sure yeah i don't i don't care whatever number 10 let's do it i believe in you you got this number 10 is uh, a movie that i probably would not have seen had you not said something about it okay you sent me a text saying i'm i watched this movie i think it's i think it's your kind of movie it's not my kind of movie but i think it will be yours oh. and i was like well that intrigues me because you and i notoriously have very different tastes so to recognize that I would like something, even though you didn't yes. really jive with it, like really uh, meant something. It's like, okay, I'm going to see this movie. So number 10 for me would be the assistant. Oh, cool. Um, I think it was um, a really great, compelling, engaging, uncomfortable story that was done really well. Um, I really liked how it was all basically one day. I liked how quiet it was Mm -hmm. to me. If I could put independent films, if I can summarize them all into one word, um, I would say they're quiet. Mm. There is a lot of, of silence, not even really. It's not that characters aren't talking. It's that there's not a lot of music either. There's just a lot of quietness in an independent film. Um, to me, that makes it meditative. That makes you think about what you're seeing, why you're seeing it, instead of being constantly bombarded with images and lines and all this kind of stuff. Um, so The Assistant, I think the reason why you said it would be a movie that I would like is because it had that feel yeah. of kind of um, real life. You're, it's almost like you were in the office with her um, and you were watching her go through her day. Um, because not a lot of offices, there isn't a lot of chatter or music or whatever. Um, so it felt like you were a fly on the wall, um, which I think was kind of the point and how it was done. So, um, I don't know that I would see it again, but I thought it was really well made. For sure. As often as possible, if we have a shared movie, which I don't know how many shared movies that we're going to have on our list, because mm-hmm. we, like you said, we have very different tastes yeah. in movies. Um, but whenever possible, I would like to talk about 
them together if we both have them on the mm. list. So I have the assistant at number six. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely loved this movie. Mm. Um, I watch a lot of movies and you never really know when something is going to be really slow and just painful to get through. Just like mm-hmm. super, super boring. Um, this movie is slow without being boring. Um, yeah. It is very slow, but it's also very propulsive. Um, You're paying attention at every moment. And I think that's what's really hard about slow movies is that you that you just lose your attention span. You, you lose the ability to care about what's happening. But for me, this movie, um, I just wanted every detail. I wanted to know yeah. why she was moving a pile of paper from one side of the desk mm-hmm. to the other. I wanted to know why she walked into a room why she was clean. Like everything was so purposeful that it just held my focus, um, which doesn't often happen. For sure. Yeah. You have to make up a lot as an actor, the the Mm -hmm. world around you, the things that you're grabbing or touching or moving, especially in that kind of role, the role of an administrative assistant, there's a lot of moving and organizing and touching and writing and, and things to be done like that. And you really have to imbue that. And I believe she did this, this actress, um, Julia Gardner, I believe she did imbue all of her actions, all of the movements with a lot of purpose and intentionality like she was actually working on something. I mean, basically, both as a woman and as an administrative assistant, uh, so much of what you do are the things that other people don't think to do or assume will be done. And so they they just don't do it. Um, And most of this movie, she was spent doing things that other people didn't think to do or assumed that she would do them. Um, And as someone who has been an administrative assistant, as someone who's been a receptionist um, as a woman, I related a lot to that uh, kind of background. It'll just be taken care of kind of a feel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just loved watching her. I thought the the lead Julia Gardner was incredible. This woman, this movie was directed by a woman, Kitty Green. Um, Did she write it too? I believe she wrote it as well. Yeah, Um, which happens a lot this this season with other movies. Yeah, totally, totally. A lot of yeah, a lot of writer director combos. Um, I yeah, I liked this. I really really enjoyed this movie, and I found myself being just very mesmerized by it and engaged with it. Um, You know, a movie came out in 2019 called Bombshell um, Mm -hmm. that was you know analyzing and and uh, just taking a very close look at the Me Too movement. Yeah. Um, in a very specific story about a real person, real people, real people that were involved in in uh, a pretty significant scandal during Mm -hmm. that time. Um, this movie is the the same and completely different. And I would absolutely recommend this movie to people mm-hmm. over Bombshell, which Bombshell, because it, it has, you know, the Fox News name attached to it. And there's yeah, all these be, be, iconic um, people that you, that you know right, and are familiar right. with. And it's stylized and it's aggressive and it's it's kind of it's in your face. It's very watchable, it's I think, to... for a for a mainstream audience. Yeah, well, actually, I, I, w- I wouldn't say that it's watchable for a mainstream audience because I think a lot of people would... Um, be kind of pushed off by it mm-hmm. uh, because it it doesn't shy away from who they're talking about and why they're talking about them. So if you're a, a fan of certain people or you're have a have certain biases, it may be really difficult to watch. Which you and I have talked about. That's kind of why you should watch some movies. Yeah. But all that to say, I think because of the tone of the film, I think people would um, there would be a lot of friction in watching it. Whereas I think the assistant. The assistant, while it's far more subdued, I think it's a really important message across that even though it's also still in a Hollywood kind of setting, yeah, because of the way it portrayed her and kind of what she does in her job, 
it's applicable to any industry. Totally. And I think because they don't give the boss a face or a name, mm-hmm. um, they, they might say his name at one point, but basically it's, it's a fictionalized world yep. representing a very real world, very yep. real um, scenarios and circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think because of that, he's, he and she are both kind of avatars yeah. for, you know, real live Hollywood Titans. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of implied that this is someone involved in Hollywood. There's headshots everywhere. There's right. an actress Casting coming in. Movies, yeah, yeah. Budgets. Um, so they're able to be these avatars for very real people that are in the world. And I honestly think that makes them easier to, it makes, it makes, um, Julia Gardner's character easier to identify with and kind of put yourself in the shoes of, whereas someone's like, I'm blanking on the name of some of, of, Actually, I think Margot Robbie's character in Bombshell was a made up character. Yeah. Yeah. But I think also with the assistant as well, um, you putting it in those terms, I think kind of every character that's on screen is kind of avatar like. Yes. Where you have been. And this is true of another movie on this on my top 10 list that we'll talk about later, too, of um, you don't know that person specifically but you've seen that behavior or you've heard someone say that or you've been in a room where everyone's shoulders are kind of at their ears because they're uncomfortable like that i think that the brilliance of the assistant is you don't know those people personally like you you haven't sorry you haven't been in that exact situation yes but boy have it has it been close yeah absolutely um, Your number I would, 10? I would highly recommend The Assistant to everybody, yeah. to everybody listening. I believe it is on Hulu, so check it out on Hulu. My number 10 is Tenet, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. I didn't get around to see it. I, I am going to be careful not to spoil it for you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I will be teasing elements of the plot. Um, actually, I don't think I will be. I think I'm going to um, kind of keep a, a, a pretty good distance between between the way I, I talk about the movie and the plot. Um, this was Christopher Nolan's. I mean, this is one of those movies that to me is going to be very closely associated with the year 2020. This movie, I believe, was scheduled for like May or June. Maybe mm-hmm. it was scheduled for the first week in July. Um, and I actually was coordinating the um, release of this podcast, the the kickoff of this podcast, mm-hmm. around Tenet. Um, we were going to do our first double feature on, I believe, Inception and Interstellar, I think was the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Tenet kept getting bumped two weeks, two mm-hmm. weeks, and it was still kind of in the days of the pandemic when we thought maybe things will be better in a month or mm-hmm. in two months. We might be back to normal in a little bit. And so Warner Brothers was just really holding on tight to this movie, and it just became representative of movie theaters and yeah. the movie industry and can movie theaters survive and what is the future of movies and Christopher Nolan was so committed to this movie coming out in theaters mm-hmm. um and it did I think it wasn't until mid-August that it was released um maybe but September? yeah but it was know. it was released into theaters um I actually did go see it in a theater um I was me I went with a group of three other guys that are in my you know COVID bubble basically mm-hmm. and um we had the theater to ourselves except for one other group that was sitting of like three people that mm-hmm. was sitting several rows back. Um, and we were in like an, I, a huge IMAX theater. Yeah. Um, but it was just us and this one other group and it felt very safe. I don't think it would have felt as safe if the theater had been full, which right. I really was hoping that it wouldn't be. 
Um, but yeah, we, we went and had the, the Nolan experience in a movie theater. Um, and I got to tell you walking out, I was not thrilled. I was not, Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, that was, that was way too convoluted Mm -hmm. and confusing. That was too much. Um, and me and the guys I went with, we were just talking about it after. And the more we talked about it, the more we actually got into it. I think it's the kind of movie that you really have to just kind of go along for the ride with rather mm-hmm. than actually try to figure out. I think Interstellar in particular is a Nolan movie that he really put a lot of brain power behind trying mm-hmm. to make it super accurate and whatnot. Yeah. I don't think there really was a way given the plot of this movie to make it accurate to anything because mm. it was such a fantastical idea mm. um so i think you know it was just loud music and you know <laughs> la- or incredible- did hans zimmer do the hans zimmer actually did not do oh, okay. the score for this movie um i was really excited though about the guy who did do the score um his name is blanking me in this oh excuse me it's it's a ludwig granson okay. who did the score for the mandalorian oh. um and, and and uh i believe i'm going to confirm this right now really quick i believe black panther yes black panther uh, um so he's kind of an up-and-coming composer right now in in, in hollywood but was it that same yes thing? so yes it did have that iconic uh, uh nolan, Christopher nolan feel. like just which very... by the way completely adjacent from what you're talking about not it part of this list at all i read i saw an, a headline of an article i don't know if it's true i just want to know if you heard anything that nolan is making more batman movies or making another one I haven't heard that. Okay. That's intriguing though. Audience in the comments, let us know if Nolan's making another Batman movie because I thought I read something that said that, but I could be wrong. We could, I think we probably shouldn't, but we could have a tangent conversation about the the next decade of DC right now, which I'll sum up in one sentence, which is I think DC is going to be a lot more um, just trying stuff over the next couple of years. Like it doesn't you have to what? fit into a canon. I think that's all we'll say too is DC is yes. just going to be trying stuff. Yeah, They're yeah, going to yeah. be throwing stuff up against a wall to see, is there anything that we can possibly make that you guys will like, please? And I think the answer will be no. Ex- exhibit A, exhibit <laughs> only for that is they're making another suicide, suicide squad movie. Yeah. It's been like five years. Like what are we doing anyway? Yeah, yeah. I, but who knows? It, who some knows? of it might turn out to be pretty yeah. good. Um, but yeah, I really like Tenet. Um, I think this is the most self-aware Nolan movie. I think Nolan has taken himself a little too seriously over the years. I think you would probably agree with that. Um, and I think this movie, he was like, you know what? I'm just going for it. I've got two really great actors, John David Washington. And why am I forgetting his name from Twilight? Edward Pattinson, excuse me. Um, just was like just super charming and like fun to watch and hang out with in this movie. Um, so I, I, I really wanted to include it in my top 10. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you were to more closely analyze like the actual quality of all the movies on my list, maybe it should be a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just had a fun time at the movies. It was a memorable experience for you me, know, so I wanted I, to include it. I, I almost included a movie that I thought was just fun, and that was Birds of Prey. Oh, um, yeah. I just thought, I wa- I've seen that movie several times uh, since. It was actually the last movie I saw in theaters before the shutdown. Um, I had an absolutely great time. It was exactly what I wanted out of the movie, um, and I had so much fun. Do I think it's the best movie of the year? No, but man, did I have a good time. There's something to be said for just having fun at the movies. I watched a movie from 2011 called Tower Heist a couple days ago starring Ben Stiller. I don't think I've seen that. In which they perform a tower heist. It 
It's not good by any stretch, but boy, was it fun. I, yeah. I had a fun time watching them steal. The, the premise is they have to steal a car from the yeah. top, from the penthouse of a, of a huge For every tower. movie that makes your brain work really hard, there's got to be a movie where your brain doesn't have to work at all, and both are valid and important. Amen. I love it. So, uh, yeah, my number 10 is Tenet. What is your number nine? My number nine, um, at least I hope it's my number nine. See, I'm, I haphazardly made this list um is pieces of a woman and Mm. that's lower than than i think maybe it would be but i put it as number nine because um i think that the it's not the opening sequence but the sequence of the movie when they're um in their apartment in act one that whole quote-unquote single take feel Mm -hmm. i don't know if it was a single take but that's that's the look they were going for yes um that entire sequence was so well done. So many moving parts, so many um, different notes they had to hit of their relationship, her as a, as a person, him as a person, them as a couple. Uh, are they happy? Are they sad? Are they excited? Are they in agony? There's so much that they had to do in that one sequence that I don't even remember how long it was, 15 minutes something like that it was 30 minutes. 30 minutes that i mean if that's all the movie had been like masterful masterful it yeah. was so well done i think after that happens um you really kind of have to choose um whether you're gonna be on her side or whether you're not gonna be yeah and i kind of yeah. battled that the whole movie because there are some choices that she makes um, after that 30 minute thing that I really struggled with yeah. that made it really hard to kind of understand where she's coming from. And so I think you kind of had to 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 choose whether you're going to be on board and let this be about her journey or whether you were going to kind of be against her and, you know, be on everyone else's side because it kind of felt like it was her against the world a little bit. Um, so I think the movie kind of drops after that 30 minute yeah. thing. But I do think that overall... Um, Vanessa Kirby and and the cast there did a really great job. She ha- had to play such a uh, a subdued character because what you usually see in stories like this is characters completely broken and falling apart in all the time, and they're crying and they're screaming. And the approach they took with this film is that she's numb, that she is just basically breathing. That's all she's doing, um, which could be boring for some people yeah. or it could be engaging for some people. And I found it uh, very engaging because I was waiting for that moment where she would break or how she would break or if she would break. Um, and so I, I, I thought that it was well pieced together. Um, I don't think it's the best movie that for me of the year, but there are certain components of it that I think were really, really well done. Absolutely. And I have this on my list as well at number seven. So we're going to keep talking (laughs) about it a little bit. Um, Yeah, that first scene is absolutely incredible. It is not technically one take, but I believe it is comprised of just a few takes. Not many. There's a couple that are very, very long. Um, I want to read a Letterboxd review that I saw about (laughs) this movie, which said... The title came up and I realized I had been holding my breath for 30 minutes, Yeah, which was exactly my experience. The, the title comes up after this scene, this 30 minute sequence. Have you know, did you notice in the movies, because I think we watched a lot of the same movies, that the title card for the movie didn't show up for at like at the beginning like it usually does. Are you talking it, specifically about Pieces of a Woman? Pieces of a Woman, but yes. also other movies. Like I think it, oh, it, okay. I, I noticed it 
in other movies like one night in miami it's like 10 to yes. 15 minutes into the movie yes. it's like oh by the way we're in one night in miami and you're like, <laughs> oh okay so it's and then there are some movies where they don't show the title card until the very end of the film which i think sound of metal did um where it's like, oh, by the way, you've been watching Sound of Metal. I love an end of the film title card. So I, I don't know if that's like everyone got together and was like, let's all try this idea. Or if it just happened to work out that way. But I think it's great. Well, as you know, um, one of my passions in life is movie titles. It's one of my favorite things about movies. Yeah. And I actually do have, a, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of the history of title cards uh-huh. being at the end of the movie. The first movie that I can think of that had the title card at the end was Batman Begins, which ironically, Christopher Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all Dark Knight, as well as Dark Knight Rises, have the title hit at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I can ever remember seeing that. And I I don't think I can think of any movies prior to 2005 when Batman Begins that came out. I'm sure there had a title. are, but yeah. I'm sure there are, absolutely, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it became a trend in, yeah. until, until that movie. So anyway, I, I, I thought, like, what... Yeah, you were holding your breath that whole time. Yeah. And you were... Um, as you like to say, on the edge of your seat, yeah. trying to sit there and watch that, and then the title card comes up, and you and you breathe, you sink back, and, but you don't really like. Mm-hmm. At least for me, I I wanted to feel relaxed, but because of how that ends, yeah, totally. I totally did not. Um, and so, kind of the whole movie, I was just sort of tense, totally. Um, yeah, yeah, it was incredible. I would recommend, honestly, it's on Netflix. Check out the first. 30 minutes of this movie. If yep. you don't have time to watch the whole thing, yeah. consider it a 30 minute short film. It was really, really good. One other thing I wanted to say about this movie is I like happy endings. <laughs> um, I'm fine with depressing endings or ambiguous endings or poignant endings, but you know, what's great. Happy endings. And this movie though, though obviously this is not a happy story and a lot of um, incredibly traumatic things mm-hmm. happen and to, to, in this movie and mm-hmm. they're dealing with the um you know fallout of, of that yeah. i don't know why i say things thing mm-hmm. um well things it 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 dominoes into other stuff yeah um i i really appreciated the way that they wrapped it up um i guess this is a bit of a spoiler for listeners so well i i think what you're trying to say is i think there's a difference between resolved movies and unresolved movies yeah and resolved movies can be happy or sad and unresolved can be happy or sad but i think there's kind of a divide in the two camps i personally am fine with uh unresolved happy or sad my sister hates she can deal with the oh, sad okay. movie okay. she can deal with a happy movie but it, you gotta have it's gotta be resolved somehow whereas i'm like nope let's just leave the characters looking at each other and then it goes black and we just get to sit there and Watch the credits. Like, I'm fine with that. Would you consider The Assistant resolved? Do you remember the ending of that movie? Uh, The car. Is that how it ends? She is. Oh, ba- is she walking off? She's walking off. Yeah. She, she um, looks up, sees the window, and then and then. I would off. consider that to be resolved because you're you um, you under you understand what she's gone through or mm-hmm. like what, what the next step is for her. I think that maybe that's the good definition for resolved is you, you know what the character is going to do next. You can kind of guess it. Yeah. There are some movies where like they're one of my favorite movies. I'm, this is a spoiler, non-spoiler, uh, your sister, sister mm-hmm. at the end of that film, 
uh, I would say that it is unresolved because there's a giant question at the end of the movie. And depending on what that answer is, the characters will go different ways, but you don't know, Um, which I love. And again, my sister hated, (laughs) but I made her watch it. So that's a win for me. That's awesome. Um, But I think for pieces of a woman, I would say that's a sad resolved, a bittersweet resolved. Yeah. Um, the assistant I would say is a, is a sad resolved. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's another movie on here. Well, I have, I have yeah. one that'll, that'll oh, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Um, it's funny you mentioned your sister, sister, that movie is on my radar right now. Cause I'm working my way through 2011 movies mm-hmm. right now, uh, which is how I ended up watching tower heist. And so yeah. I will be watching your sister, sister. Ooh, I haven't seen it yet. Talk about it. Um, with me. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, my number nine is one night in Miami, which I'm sure is on your list. Um, I, I love this movie. I got to tell you when it first ended, I felt a little indifferent about it. I was like, eh, that was a bunch of characters in a room, but I have not been able to stop thinking about this movie since I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I loved hanging out with these characters, all four of them. It, it was an incredible cast. I could listen to Leslie Odom Jr. sing all day long. <laughs> yeah. Um, all four were just really compelling to me, and I can't stop thinking about it. It was directed by Regina King, as we talked about before. I would love it if she won Best Director. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she's trending as high as Chloe Zhao is right now, but I do think she's going to get nominated. Um, you seem to be very excited about One Night in Miami. Uh, it is higher on my, it is on my list. Would you want to share where it's at? No. Okay. All right. Do you want to talk about get it? There. Do you want to, do you want to save it? There. Okay. Yeah, we'll when save we get it. There. All right. Um, then I believe we're at your number eight. My number eight, we probably need to go faster through these cause we could probably That's talk fair. for like five hours. That's fair. Um, my number eight is a movie called Shirley, uh, which is a tiny film. With, I won't have anything to say about this one. With, so it's all uh, you girl. <laughs> with Elizabeth Moss, um, where it's a fictionalized story of a real person, um, who was a, uh, horror story author and so it's the story of potentially her inspiration and the writing process of her writing one of her famous books yeah um and it elizabeth moss is one of the most fascinating actors that i can think of i don't care what she's in i am astounded with her acting choices um i'm astounded with um, how she carries herself, her voice, her tone, how she relates to the other characters. I think she's absolutely brilliant. And I've seen her in a wide variety of things. Um, and in this movie, she is so gross. But <laughs> but but she's supposed to be. I've seen some stills. You're, you're, but not not just in her, her look. I don't want it to be about her aesthetic. I don't totally. want it to be okay. about okay. this woman's um, outfit or hair or whatever. I'm talking about her personality. I'm talking about how she treats people and talks to people and relates to her husband it's kind of grotesque it's unhealthy um but the movie is really about the writing process um i heard elizabeth moss talk about that i would agree with that as a writer i completely agree it's about what a person goes through to try to get uh what's in their head on paper yeah um it's a bit stylized but um i didn't mind it it goes kind of crazy directions but i didn't mind it um I, I, it was really fascinating for me to watch. I thought it was really well done. Um, I'm not a scary movie person. I wouldn't say that it's a scary movie, but it is about a scary story. Yes. Uh, so it does have some very suspenseful, um, kind of out of mind sort of moments in it. Uh, and I, I just thought it was really good. Yeah. Will the invisible man be appearing on your list? No, but I did see it. Yeah, I did see it. And 
um again only because it's it's her because it is it's a thriller yeah um but she has a way and it is like 90 percent all in her eyes yeah what she is able to communicate with just her eyes to me is rather unmatched there are only a few people i think who can do what she does um in how she communicates with people, with the audience, with the camera, with her environment, with just her eyes alone. Um, and that's why I think she does so many different kinds of things. It's because yeah. it doesn't matter if she's in a comedy or in an Aaron Sorkin thing or Handmaid's Tale or, you know, a scary thriller or uh, she did a, a crazy movie called Her Smell where she played this yes. um, rock star addict and she was insane in that movie but you were a hundred percent in with her that she was a real person and i think that's what it is for me is that in every role that she is in she's a real person she's not putting on a character she's not she's not acting this is going to sound so terrible but i'm gonna say it anyway she's not acting she's being Mm. um and i think so often you can watch actors and you're like oh that's an actor acting yeah and it's actually very rare if you sit and think about it when you see like oh that's that that's not a real person right okay you know, and it changed your mind. So I did see the invisible man. I didn't put it on this list. Um, I did think it was pretty good, but surely if we're picking Elizabeth Moss movies, Shirley's the, the superior one. Do you, could you see her being, um, a Meryl Streep type? I feel like she goes through these really incredible transformations. She's taken on such different appearances and personas over the years. I think she will be, um, more of like a Francis McDormand type. Okay. Because I think Meryl Streep, has a more beloved quality about her that I don't know that people feel the same way about Frances McDormand in a kind of universal way. I think Frances McDormand is very beloved, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think in the same way as Meryl Streep is. So I would say that she's going to have the kind of career where she's going to do absolutely incredible work. Is she going to get 20 Oscar nominations? probably not unfairly so but is she going to do consistent top level work in any project she's in absolutely so that's kind of i i i don't know that she's the next meryl streep totally i think i don't think so either but i just wonder if if her the type of career she's going to have number eight for you my number eight is promising young woman um Carrie Mulligan. I actually just saw this movie today. We both mm-hmm. just saw this in the last uh, in the last two hours. days. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a real transformation on her part. Interesting though, because she's transforming into these different characters throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, my fiance and I are big Bo Burnham fans, mm-hmm. um, so we were just really excited to like see him in a movie. I yeah. don't, I don't think he's like been a lead in a movie before. Um, I thought he was okay. Actually, I, I think he only kind I of has. I really liked him. <laughs> I liked him a lot. Oh, we didn't or did? I know I did. Okay, I did. yeah. I, I just kind of feel like he only has like seven different expressions, but he's That's so in, he's so endearing yeah. mm-hmm. that I just I loved watching him on screen. Um, we were both we were both really rooting for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this movie really surprised me. Um, we ended up having to pause it a, several times throughout because we were trying to get some stuff done. Yeah. Um, but because we were pausing it, it gave us some opportunities to kind of theorize about what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I was totally wrong in all yeah. of my predictions about where the movie was going to go there's a couple different points throughout the movie where you're like, Oh, this is the movie we're going to have. Now. Yeah. Nope. goes in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Even up until the very, very end, you're like, Oh, this is the movie. Yeah. Nope. It turns again. A lot of twists and turns in this movie. 
Um, I have it at number eight. I'm, do you have it on your list? It is on my list, yeah. We're going to save it? Yeah. Cool. You get to do your seven and six back to back right now because my seven and six are pieces of a woman and the assistant. Okay. Uh, so my uh, seventh is a movie called The Half of It, which came out on Netflix. Um, I don't know how many people have seen it. I really wasn't going to see it. It was just sort of a random uh, pick for me. Sometimes that just happens where I'll just stumble on a Ben Schwartz movie. Like, oh, this is an adorable little rom-com that you just did. So this was that kind of thing for me where I just sort of watched it randomly. Um, And I actually think it's an amazingly well-written movie, except for one scene, um, which is why I wasn't going to put it on this list at all. The scene is that bad to me. It really really sours the whole movie experience but if you take that one scene out it that's there's one scene in this movie where i feel like the writer went in to whatever studio was going to make it and had this perfectly written coming of age story um and then the studio was like yeah but you need something like this in it and the writer went no it will (laughs) ruin it and they say well we're not going to finance it without it because it just totally comes out of nowhere um and it really just, I, I had loved the movie up until that point. Um, but I think overall, it's a beautiful coming of age story. It's uh, similar to, um, if anyone knows Shakespeare, I think it's Cyrano. Um, they also did a movie with Steve Martin called Roxanne uh, and Daryl Hannah in the 80s, where it's uh, someone likes another person and they use their friend to communicate as like a, a channel through it. Um, so you kind of have this like mistaken identity situation going, but, um, I love the conversations again. It was quiet. It was subtle, but, um, I don't, I think sometimes coming of age stories have to be, or turn out to be really dramatic or really loud and crazy like book smart, which is a really fun movie, yes. but it's all over the place or it's has to do with a, a very specific, um, kind of, uh, only relatable to one crowd kind of story and this to me felt very high school even though I had a completely different high school experience uh, it felt that way so I thought it was really good I thought the the lead uh was really powerful on screen um and I thought it was really it really surprised me it was very well written so I, I enjoyed it I have a running list of if I can get to it movies I always keep yeah. a watch list for you know each year and so you know it's it's on my if I can get to it movies along with extraction and Mulan <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, what's your number six and then my number six i don't know why i put this movie on here it'll probably not stay on this list which is funny because it is number six but i don't know why it's on here but never rarely oh wait no i do know why it's on here i got confused with something else never rarely sometimes always uh is a movie that you loved i love that it. i love yeah um that oh i don't even know if i can talk about this movie it was so moving and so important. And um, there's one specific scene, which you and I have talked about before when she's at the doctor's office mm-hmm. that is, is uh, unbelievable in what she had to do there. Um, and I think it was really, really well done. It was, I think beginning she, it was her first time acting. I know that. Yeah. And then I think the writer directors, they had made only like a couple movies that no one had really seen before this. Yeah. It's Eliza Hitman. She has made movies, but they're, they're all small Sundance. Yeah. Yeah. So this, um, I think is a movie that people should see because whether or not you agree with it, it really helps, um, bring understanding, um, and context to, 
certain people's lives who you you don't live those lives absolutely um and uh, this, could, I, this could be a window for a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like. And, and again, you don't have to agree with it. People are going to live their lives differently than you do. But um, it's it's a really powerfully done um, story. I would love to see Sydney Flanagan do more work. And I would love to see her get nominated for yeah, uh, me Best too. Actress this year. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I know. Um, but gosh, that would just make me so happy. I thought just what a performance from what a since such a young unknown you know mm-hmm. just a, a new actress on the scene um watching her career will be very interesting yeah i like this movie a lot you actually get to go again <laughs> with your number five my number five is the trial of the chicago seven yeah it is <laughs> um i actually walked into this movie uh prepared not to like it i'm not really sure why that's that no yeah yes yes but i walked in expecting that i was gonna hate it but i love aaron sorkin and so i don't know why i felt that way but I watched the movie and I, I had no idea about this um, real, these real life events. Um, and every single time I, something happened during the movie, I thought that can't have really happened. And I started keeping a running list. Yeah. And yes, it did. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, was, I watched it with my sister and afterwards I kept like Googling things and researching things. But like this really did happen. They really did this. And eventually she's like, Anna, you have to stop. <laughs> You, ha- you please just keep it to yourself. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Because there's so much in this movie that is so grotesquely unbelievable. Um, but it happened. So yeah. I-, I think Aaron Sorkin, um, I liked this movie. I know we had a whole episode about him and Steve Jobs and yeah. the social network and how he writes unlikable men. Um, but I found a lot of these characters likable. Um in the sense that that not that I wasn't rooting for them, but it was a little easier for me to watch um, than, let's say, the social network. So I thought it had a good pace. Um, I thought it was directed fairly well, but I thought it was written really well. It gave everybody time um, because you had 10 people that you had to kind of make sure that they were unique, but still all blended together. Um, I think people need to see this movie. I definitely think people need to see this movie, especially because it's um, a real story. It's real people that I had no idea about. And so I think if you don't know this story, definitely see this movie. They do take some creative licensing as you do. Um, But maybe if you're like me, you'll then like check on the accuracy. But I thought Mm. it was it was really good. So I'm actually kind of having a crisis of taste right now because I don't know why. For for the audience, um, Joey's hands are at his (laughs) temples. He's a bit just a little stressed, distressed. (laughs) Yes. Um, I don't know why I don't have this movie at number five. Um, I'm not going to share my number five yet, but it's um, definitely not as good as uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 in many ways. Your number five? My number five, Got it. yeah. Um, I I don't know why I had... I loved this movie. In fact, it's one of the only movies on my list that I have rewatched. Um, I just rewatched it a few days ago with my dad. Um, I thought this movie was incredibly well-written. I did not think it was very well-directed. I actually saw a very funny letterbox review that said... Aaron Sorkin is too good of a writer to have to work with such a mediocre director as Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> which I loved. And that it was exactly how I felt what coming out of the movie. Um, he just has such a heightened, um, people don't talk like that. I guess that's my criticism is it's like, it's, it's so quippy and snippy We've talked and witty. About this. I know it's the science fiction of dramatic. Yes. Writing. Yes. It's, it's not real. People don't, 
They're not that funny in the moment. They're not as quick in the moment. They're not, uh, like I have conversations in real life all the time. And my sister called me on it where she's like, you think you're, you're in a movie as you're talking to people. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do because in my head I'm writing our conversation (laughs) and in writing the conversation in my head, I know where to jump in with a quip or with a comment or with an aside or whatever, but that's not how real humans communicate. So I know it bothers people. It doesn't bother me. Do you know what a, um, like a surrealist painting is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, it, basically, it's it's a painting where the the shadows are typically brighter, the highlights are lower. It basically looks fantastical. Uh-huh. It, it like it's like the world doesn't actually look that way, but like look at this beautiful painting, yeah. all the vibrant colors. That's how I feel about Aaron Sorkin movies, basically. Um, and I don't know why I'm counting that against him. I have Trial of the Chicago Seven at, at twelve. Okay, so it's definitely high up there for me. In many ways, it is number five. I don't know why I'm overthinking this so much. It's because I'm now slightly embarrassed by my number five, which <laughs> is an American Pickle starring Seth Rogen. <laughs> I need some Those are two different movies. <laughs> okay. In some ways, Trial is my number five, if, but if whatever. If you like it, you like it. That's fine. I do fine. like it. I We're do like it. We're not talking about like objective criticism and film theory we're that, talking that's about fair. just movies that we like screw it you like trial it. of the chicago seven is my number five movie no you can and say american I pickles lo- your, fav- your fifth favorite movie that's fine let me just talk about american you, pickle you really liked quick. american pickle so much that you got me to watch it, i liked it which is saying something. i watched this movie because i hate seth Rogen. In, really okay in the mi- I watched this movie in the middle of the day in Big Bear with a bunch of friends, uh-huh. and that was the best way I could have watched this movie. Comedies should rarely be watched by yourself. None of us were expecting anything from it. A friend of mine who was up there named Christy was like, hey, heard about this movie, heard it might be good, we should check it out. We watched it with like zero, we were going to like not even pay attention to it. We were just mm-hmm. going to kind of have it on. And we were all just gripped. It was just like fun. It was just like, what's going to happen next? What's he going to do next? Where's he going to go? What's he going to say? It starts off with such an absurd concept that you kind of go. Yes. I, I, it's, 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 the, um, it's the Rachel McAdams in Eurovision effect. Yes. Where she is in such an implausible situation that she is 100%, 100% committed to. Yeah. That you're like. Oh, okay. Well, if she is, I'm in, you know, and that's the same thing where Seth Rogen comes out of the pickle juice and everyone's like, yeah, this is, (laughs) this is what's happening. happening." And you're thinking, wait, hold on. This is the, where's the science fiction element? Where's the disbelief that this is real? Nope. Everyone's just like, yep, this is what happened to this guy. Isn't that weird? Seth Rogen's also the only actor in this movie. I'm speaking hyperbole. Like there are other like human beings in it, but like there's no other leads besides it's just him and himself and their relationship, which I just, I couldn't believe he was able to carry the entire movie. I will say, which I think I texted you about. It's the most that I've liked him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I would. I recommend this movie highly. I would just say don't have too high expectations for it. Just mm-hmm. like it's just a fun. I would say family friendly movie to in- enjoy yeah. with really anybody. Yeah. Um, number yeah. four. Number what's your number four? My number four, which I don't think you've seen, is Sound of Metal. Um, Not yet. You gotta. This we're both going to share just a couple movies at the end that we haven't seen yet, but have the power yeah. to break our top ten. This is one of the two movies that I was. I. Share loved 
this movie. I'll recommend it to anybody. Um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's heartbreaking. I think it's heartwarming. I think it's hopeful. Um, I, I think he's, it's, he's such a good actor and fully inhabits this character. Um, you can tell that he did the research for the role. You can tell he did the work for it. Um, there's not a point where you're like, Oh, someone, someone read the script and it said that they had to speak in Mandarin. And so they, (laughs) they made a call. Like, that's not what he did here. He really wanted to execute the life of this character. Um, and he did it really well. Uh, so I, I, it's, it's phenomenal to me. And I would go as far as to say, looking at best, like, I, I hope and assume he'll be nominated for best actor. Um, I think so. And I hope this movie gets screenplay as well, because it's just it's beautiful yeah um uh riz ahmed who we know from rogue one a movie that we both enjoy Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) um honestly you know it's funny i feel like i could see um having not seen it i could see uh sound of metal taking my number five spot that feels Mm -hmm. like a really good spot for it and it feels like i'm gonna enjoy it that much um so that'll be interesting to see that's your number four movie right yes cool my number four movie is first cow um, this might be the slowest movie that I've ever seen. I know that you have seen it, Anna. I know that you fell asleep three times during it. Um, I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> I just wanted to. I was just so delighted by the two leads, John Magaro and Orion Lee, that I was just down for whatever they were going to do. I was just excited about their friendship and them hugging each other and just being excited to see each other. <laughs> it was just, it just warmed my heart. They're I was just, just delighted they're by They're just it. bacon biscuits just just baking some oily cakes just baking some oil making a profit you know it was so just like authentic and grounded and and dirty and just like set in that world like if they had if they had a a show on like the food network or something (laughs) or maybe like a youtube channel i'd be like look at these guys making oily cakes that's amazing but i don't know that i needed a full feature film about it i just it was so pretty and it just it just I don't know. Think of the trees. Think I want to share. Cow. I want to share a story, an anecdote, actually about our uh, my current boss, your former boss. Uh-huh. Um, we we were get once, it. We work together. So, <laughs> someone once asked him what we were. I think we were having a Disneyland uh, staff day, mm-hmm. and someone asked him what his favorite Disneyland uh, land was. His favorite land was in Disneyland, and he waited a beat. And he goes, Frontierland. And I was like, really? Front that's like my least favorite land. Are you saying frontier? Frontierland. Frontier. Front but he said frontier, like with an accent. Like Frontierland. Oh, okay. I see. Like We're going said- for like a, a mimic thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. Um, not- yes, Frontierland is what Thank I would say. Um and I was like, really? And I'm like, I have that is like my least favorite vibe. That's like my <laughs> least favorite aesthetic is like the frontier, the frontier. If if is yeah, you know. But I loved the setting of this movie. I loved where it was taking place. I loved the idea of a first cow being brought into Oregon. I do like the idea of that. Like how? Yeah. Like how? Well, just what a funny thing to think about that there was a first cow and yeah. how valuable that would have been. And like the idea oh, of yeah. going and stealing milk. Like yeah. this is a heist movie. It's in true. many ways. It's true. Yeah. Um, it was very slow. I don't know if I would recommend this movie uh, to anybody. But if um, you enjoyed it, you enjoyed it. Man. I enjoyed it a lot. I want to read a Letterboxd review. Kelly Reichart really knows how to milk drama out of the simplest scenarios. Boo. <laughs> or I should say crash. moo. We all did it. We all did it. We all got there. <sighs> your number three. Yeah. My number three is, which I believe is also on your list. 
It's Palm Springs. Yes. Yes. Palm Springs. Speak was on it. Such a good movie. Let me break it down for you. <laughs> it is every person's dream of what they could Groundhog Day Ugh. of just hanging out, shenanigans, and it had a, a great ending that actually made sense instead of something sort of magical, even though it was a magical ending, but it it was logical in its magic. Anna is looking to the sky as if talking I, to God. <laughs> I loved Andy Samberg. I loved Kristen Milioti. Uh, I love J.K. Simmons. I think this movie is hilarious, and I think their chemistry is so good, and I was not expecting to like it at all all and i fell in love with it i love this movie the only movie that we saw together this year via zoom in a zoom room we all watched it for the first time together oh my gosh yeah um yeah so this is my number two this is my second favorite movie of the year um i i wanted to share kind of my experience over the year with this movie because i start my ranking of of movies for a year at the very beginning of the year and i throw movies onto them and then you move around yeah yeah. um we saw this movie fairly early it was i think june that it came out right after it came out yeah Yeah. um and it immediately jumped to the top of my list and i was like this is great. At to the have. time, there weren't that many movies. I was like, yeah. "This is great." I think it was the. F- I think there were four movies on the list that I had yeah. seen that year. One of them was Greyhound with Tom Hanks, uh-huh. um, and I was like, "Oh, this is so nice that this movie's in my number one spot." I'm sure it's going to get knocked down to like you know number ten eventually, mm-hmm. but like, I love that it's here right now. Let's see how long it holds. And then the entire year, it, it, it stayed there. And if not for my number one movie, this would be my number one movie. Now, I know it just sounds like I'm explaining numbers to you. Yeah. But I, I'm, I think there's something significant about that in that it is the most representative of 2020 to me. It it's was, the movie that I'll associate with 2020 most. It was my number one movie until literally like five hours ago. Totally. It, yeah. Like, I... I would watch this movie, and that to me is what indicates a favorite for me. Unless, unless a movie uh, is extremely moving and thought provoking to me, but I'll only see it once. That'll be a favorite. But otherwise, a favorite for me is is its rewatchability. Um, and I would watch this movie. Oh my gosh, anytime. Yeah, I, I really should watch it again. I've only seen it once. I I I kind of had it on just while I was working for a while after yeah. I saw it. I think I think I might have seen this movie like four or five times. Not oh, like fully that, focused. That's very you to do that. Totally. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't like like watching it every but time. It was but around. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think the plot was super resonant. Uh. Mm. When it came out, we were mm-hmm. all kind of living the same day over and over again. What's <laughs> fascinating to me is of this year overall is how many things have lined up with real life. Totally. Yeah. Um it's kind of shocking. Like I I remember reading something about the trial of Chicago seven, um, that Aaron Sorkin was editing it, um, as the black lives matter movement was happening. Totally. And so he, he changed some of his edits, uh, to kind of reflect that, uh, which is just kind of mind boggling to me because that movie was written. That was originally like Spielberg was going to be involved like 20 years ago. So it's just fascinating to me how stuff kind of comes out and lines up uh, with the real world that really kind of amplifies it. Um, so whatever art you're wanting to making listener, I keep talking to you like uh, we're friends <laughs> listener, whatever art you want to make, if it feels like it's slow going and no one wants it or no one likes it, or you're afraid of it or whatever, uh, the older I get, the more I believe in timing. And so just give it, give it time. Yeah. 
I think in a spiritual sense, this is my number one movie of 2020. Because like I said, it just feels very... I think for both of us, we're kind of feeling that. Like This is just like the the 2020 movie. Yeah. Um, Which is so funny because I think in 2019, this movie wouldn't have even been in my top 10. I think it would have been fairly low for me. Well, yeah. You have to look and see. Yeah, because typically my top... movies the way I do. Yeah, my top 10 lists are usually like how was the screenwriting and right. how it, like all of this, you know, award buzz stuff, yeah. but this movie. So I guess if you're thinking of it that way, this movie wouldn't have made it, but I do think it's really well written f- uh, across yeah. the board. Um, this is a hard movie for me to recommend just because of some pretty uncomfortable scenes fairly sure. early on in the movie. In the first yeah. like 30 seconds, you're going to be like, what, is, what are we watching yeah. right now? Um, very uncomfortable to watch on zoom with a bunch of other, uh, a bunch of other, you know, humans. that was a time <laughs> that was a time that we shared. Um, but if you can get past that a little bit, I, 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 this is a very, very fun movie. I don't even know if I, if I saw it in a different month or a different time of my life, if I would have even like thought that much of it, but it was just mm-hmm. so perfect for that moment. Yeah. Um, my number three, anything else you want to say on Palm Springs? No, I just loved okay. it. Um, my number three movie is The Vast of Night. Have you seen this movie yet? No, you wanted me to and I didn't get to see it already. Honestly, it's, it's not that important to me that you personally watch it. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it. I would love to talk forget about it. Forget it. No, no, no. You don't want me to see it, no, so but I the won't. the assistant, the assistant I thought we could have a great conversation about. Yeah. Um, this movie's on Amazon Prime. I would recommend this to people. Um, as I've shared before on this podcast, I have complicated feelings about the Star Wars universe, but I am a huge fan of the 1977 sci-fi epic star wars in all of its just purity yeah um i I think there's something so pure and good about that first movie and i just don't think there's been another movie like it in the star wars franchise since it came out and i i rewatch it a lot and i i just really like Mm -hmm. i don't know how simple it is and and i bring that up to to say that that's kind of how i felt about the vast of night Mm -hmm. not just because it's in the same genre but because it's this kind of very big cosmic story told in a very small, simple way with minimal characters, Mm -hmm. minimal locations. Um, There's some really beautiful dynamic shots in this movie. The camera kind of flies around a little bit. Um, The entire thing was filmed in a small town uh, called Whitney, Texas. Uh, It just has a really great sense of space and scope. Mm. Um, You get a real feel of like where things are throughout the town, where the gymnasium is, where the radio tower is. Mm. Um, and it was just like eye candy. It just looked incredible. Um, the two leads in it, Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz, were just really good. Again, first time kind of nobody actors. Um, not completely nobodies, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Comparably. fresh to, you know, kind of new to the scene. Yeah. Um, and I, I really, I actually only seen it once and I really want to watch it again because it really left an impression on me. Hmm. Um, and I would, I would recommend it. I really liked it a lot. Available on Amazon Prime. Anytime you want to check it there out. There you go. Your number two. My number two, Promising Young Woman. I watched this movie yesterday. Uh, and did I watch it yesterday? I did. I did wow, watch it number yesterday. Two. Number two. I respect um, it. I think the more you think about this movie, you, the general you, um, you I, I think this is a movie that sticks with people. Uh because it's it's so layered like I kind of had an idea of what the movies was about but man the first scene uh Adam Brody is there Carrie Mulligan's there and you're kind of getting kind of what's happening and then she looks at the camera and I was like strap myself in <laughs> I'm ready to go on this journey 
And you're right. It takes so many twists. I did not understand what's happening, uh, but I loved it. I thought I guessed the ending, but I didn't. Yeah, um, same. I thought I guessed the twist, but I didn't. She did such a good job um, in being that character. And, and I love when actors uh, can flip their emotions so, so quickly. Elizabeth Moss is peak that. Where you are which is what she had to do in this movie where you are happy and then immediately angry. Like there, the, how she had to transform herself so quickly um, was really fun to watch. Uh, maybe this is number two for me. Cause I'm a woman. I've talked about that bias on this podcast before, um, especially with what the story is of this movie um, and just personal experiences I've had in my life and the women that I know um, I have a, a connection with it. So I think it it didn't surprise me when I learned that the uh, writer of the movie uh, did the TV show Killing Eve. She was the showrunner for the second season. It kind of made a lot more sense because that movie or that television show has a very different way of telling a, a story. Um, that story is about an assassin and this whole cat and mouse game. And it's just random, random stuff happens that movie or in that TV show, I keep doing that. But in this movie, that keeps happening too. I love the devices of the Roman numerals. Yes. Um, I loved the um, the kind of, uh, what's it, not, not traditions that she had, but kind of like the OCD nature of her process. Um, I liked the use. I saw this mentioned um, on Twitter, and so I just want to bring it up. It's not my thought, but someone talked about the use of familiar... Um, like boy next door actors from the early 2000s that are being used so aggressively in this kind of way because you have Adam Brody, you have Bo Burnham, yeah. you have the um, actor who was in Veronica Mars, um, you have the guy who was in Super Bad. I haven't seen it, but I think he's in Super Bad. Um, I know that he's in Kick Ass. Uh, but you have all of these guys who are supposed to be like the kind, uh, people the well-intentioned people the good guys the ones who protect the girl the ones who are have always been there and will treat her right and this writer this creator used all of those people to show how even um even the well-intentioned quote-unquote good guys can still make bad choices um so i i i'm gonna be thinking about this movie for a really long time um i hope a lot of men and women see this movie um I thought it was directed really well. I thought it was written really well. Um, and yeah, I, I w- had been looking forward to this movie all year. Yeah. I'm so pumped I finally got to see it. Yeah. Um, I I was enthralled, both of us, me and my fiance, yeah. Sam, who listeners will know from the last episode, uh, were just absolutely wrapped by this movie. Um, all the twists and turns that it takes, the Roman numerals, what is happening. It's very much a mystery movie. You're kind of trying to mm-hmm. figure out what's happening. You know what movie, What actually not a movie, what series I thought of was 13 Reasons Why. Um, I haven't and will not see it, but I know which is totally fine. And I actually don't recommend that series. Yeah. Um, But in the sense that we're kind of exploring the past, though, not looking directly at the past in Mm -hmm. terms of like literally seeing like there aren't any flashbacks in this movie. Yeah. And like walking out of it, you might kind of you kind of feel like there were you feel like you experienced the events that took place 10 years prior it's really fascinating to me when when you have stories that are about a person and you never see that person um this movie is about 
a, a woman named Nina and you never see her. Yeah. Uh, she's never, there's no flashback. There's nothing, but the, the catalyst for the story is her. The reason why this character does what she does is because of her. The reason everyone knows each other is because of this, this woman and you never, you never meet her. And that, alone is fascinating to me. Yeah. That was one of the twists for me is I really felt like, well, hit the 30 second plus button if you don't want to hear spoilers for this movie. <laughs> but realizing that I, I thought that she was the, Carrie Mulligan's character was the one who had been mm-hmm. raped in yeah. in the past. But you realize about halfway through, oh no, it's her friend. This isn't, yeah. and this isn't a revenge story. It's an avenge mm-hmm. <laughs> story yeah. um, of her, you know, we don't even know where Nina, do we even know if Nina is alive or dead? No, she, they, he says at the end that she's dead. Okay. So All we right. don't know how she died. Yeah. I think the assumption is that she killed herself, yeah. but we know that she is dead. And and that's another thing about the story too, is, is as someone who knows people who have been um, assaulted and abused and manipulated and groomed, um, there's there's the helplessness of of it happening to you and then there's the helplessness of it happening to someone that you love yeah and in in this case one of the most powerful scenes for me is when she talks about who nina was her whole life and then how in one moment even though she was alive and breathing she was gone yeah um, yeah. And and it was bef- before she even died that she was gone yeah um which i think a lot of uh victims of assault and of all these different kind of things can relate to is um that sort of complete loss of identity and, and character yeah. um as a as a coping mechanism so to me I, I think this movie is really important and really valuable will it be abrasive to some people because of how men are treated sure yeah. but if you can just not focus on that and focus on the why of the story and focus on the 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 female uh, journey of what Nina went through and what Cassie goes through and, and just think about that and separate yourself from the whole masculine um, part of it. If you can just leave that be and let it be, yes, they, they were treated badly by her. Okay, fine. If you can set that aside and focus on these two women um, and, the other women in the story too, the Dean, uh, yeah. the mom, her, Nina's mom, Cassie's mom, yeah. uh, their, their friend who's played by Alison Brie, just focus on the women of the story and the different lives that they lead and the different things that they tell themselves and tell other people. Um, I hope that it's as impactful as I think the people making this movie wanted it to yeah. be. Beautifully said. That moment you spoke of when she looks up at the camera at the very beginning, I threw my hands in the air and I yelled, yes, 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 Let's yes. Do I'm it. ready. I'm ready. Highly mm-hmm. recommend Promising Young Woman. Anna, your number one by process of elimination. I do know it what it can is, only be one movie, but go for it. Speak on it. One Night in Miami. Yeah. I have been looking forward to this movie for a very long time. I am a Regina King fan. Um, there's so much more of her filmography that I need to see, but everything I've seen her in is, oh man, like you got to watch Watchmen. You got to watch her TV show Southland. You mm. got to watch this woman. You got, if Beale Street could talk, like you, you got to, you got to watch her and watch her mind at work. Um, so I was super excited to see her, um, direct for the first time. And, uh, I just really, really, really loved this movie. Um, 
I loved, I think I've talked to you about it before. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast before, but um, I think it's very, very rare that a play is made into a, a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to do. Uh, plays are very specific in tone and execution um, that in, on film, it just does not uh, coalesce. It just doesn't go together. Um, but people always try. But for this movie, you I didn't know it was a play until you unfortunately told me, which is fine. It's fine. Yeah. I worked through it. Um, but it didn't it didn't feel like one. Even though most of the movie happens in one room, it yeah. did not feel like that. It wasn't filmed in that way to make it feel like you were somehow in a theater watching this happening, even though you're not. Um, but I thought the four actors were incredible. Um, Leslie Odom, sing for days, wow. please. Um who the other guy I really want to mention his name the guy who Kingsley played Kingsley Benadire? Uh yes, who played um Malcolm X. Uh just phenomenal. I loved their chemistry. I love how they related to each other um because it it gets so aggressive but there's still a, a respect in it and it just goes to show that you can talk about things that are really impossible but still mm-hmm. respect the person that you're talking to. I loved the feel of it. Um, I loved the breakup of which I don't think Ma Rainey, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom did as well, where no. you have these really tense moments that then they break up with scenes outside of the room that they're in or some different kind of music or whatever. It it wasn't as successful, whereas in this movie, the tone was consistent throughout um, who these people were. Uh, who they were to each other, who they, who they were to themselves, who they were to the world uh, was consistent the whole time. And I think she emphasized, at least in my interpretation, she didn't just emphasize in her shot choices uh, what she wanted you to see. It was more um, like how she was able to get the actors to to relate to each other. I think sometimes we get directing we primarily focus on, uh, you know, the project as a whole and then like shot choice. I don't think we really put in terms of what a director is really there to primarily do. And that's yeah. to work with the actors. Yeah. They have to get all their shots. Yeah. They're in charge of how it all comes together and the soundtrack and the editing and all of the choices they have to make. But directors that I really love are really focused on the actors that they're working with. Um, and I think because she is an actor, she understands all the more, how to get great performances and get yeah. great chemistry um, and really uh, bite into the words on the page and make them real. So I think she did a phenomenal job. I think those, that those four guys did a great job together. Um, I, I loved this movie. Yeah. I, I, this, it's the only movie on my list where uh, I texted someone who hadn't seen it as soon as it was over. And I was like, if you want to watch it, I'll watch it with you again. Yeah. Anybody want to watch it? I'll watch it again. And that to me, like there, uh, there's a movie with Brie Larson called room, which came out, I think in 2015, if I use my Joey brain. Yep. And I've seen that movie several times. And every time I see it, I see it with a different group of people. And they always say, Anna, how have you seen this movie? as many times as you have wow. like yeah. they'll finish the movie and they go Anna you've seen this before I'm like yeah yeah I have <sighs> and they're like how yeah um and it's because 
it's such a moving experience for me. I'm okay with reliving it um, because I feel it's that important to talk about. And that's how I feel about One Night in Miami. I'll see this movie again and again with whoever wants to because I think it's really, really important. Yeah. I was fairly disappointed with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, yeah. I, Chadwick Boseman is going to win the Best Actor Oscar this year, which is very exciting. Um, kind of wish he was in this movie. Kind of wish this was his like, you know, going out movie. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't even know which character he would play, but I just I was just not a fan of Ma Rainey, and I and mm-hmm. I really loved this movie a lot. Yeah, Ma Rainey sort of it it it, uh, it tried to feel like a play, and that's when you get in trouble. August Osage County is a perfect example. It tried to feel like a play um, instead of which I think I think actually definitely for August Osage County, the same writer came back for the movie, but for this, for one night in Miami, the writer of the play came back to write the screenplay. And I think, uh, they did a a phenomenal job of transitioning it. Cause there's so much in the movie that I don't think they, I haven't read the play, but I, I don't see being on the stage. Um, my assumption is that it kind of starts when they get to the hotel and ends when they leave the hotel. Um, Whereas in the film, you have kind of these snippets of who each person is before they all meet together. Right. Um, and it it was just really exciting. Actually, I don't know if you know this. Do you know this? The writer of this movie, what he yes. also worked on. Yes. Dang it. We'll get there. Is there anything you don't know? <laughs> not, um, not when it not, comes to movies. Not when it comes to this. <laughs> not when it comes to what we're going to talk about. But um, anyway, I think it's a. it was a very good writer with a very good director. Um, and the more, I know we talked at the beginning about how important the screenplay is, um, which you're noticing more and more that how vital that is. But I believe that you can have amazing actors and you can have an amazing script, but if it's the wrong director, it's a crash and burn. And there's mm-hmm. so many movies like the, would, would trial of Chicago seven been, been a better movie if Aaron Sorkin had, hadn't directed it probably. Um, I think it's the director where if they know, how if if they know what they're doing if they know how to get what they want from these actors and how to talk to them um then it, it's just phenomenal and i think regina king i just i again i haven't seen nomadland i i so i can't speak to how brilliant that movie is but where i'm at right now with what i've seen by far the best directed movie yeah. of the year and i had a a ball on a tee and you just you grabbed it and you just chucked it and it was it was Kemp Powers that was my tie-in to my number one movie, uh, which is of course Soul, which we not have not even course. uttered the name of yet. Um, yes, so Kemp Powers uh, mm-hmm. wrote uh, One Night in Miami, and he was the co-director on Soul, my number one movie of the year. Uh, Anna and I are in a uh, a group chat in which we discussed Soul at length. Um, yeah. I was the minority of one in uh-huh. in the group uh, in terms of enjoying. But you belong to the majority of most people. I have to say I do. This movie uh, has really good reviews among both critics and audiences alike. Higher in critics, I would say. People love it. People, people are really down with this movie. This person does not. <laughs> Um, most people that I've actually talked to in my circle have been like, eh, mm. like I, I have not found uh, like a friend in, in yeah. the movie soul that, that loves it as much as I do. Um, I was blown away by this movie. Another thing that I've been learning is that I, if, if there are some really cool, um, visual elements tied together with some incredible musical flourishes and moments, mm-hmm. um, and just orchestrations. 
I'm sold. You that, get distracted. That's why I like it's Frozen 2. like a shiny two. object for you. Yes. You just go, oh, oh. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the story and the characters and everything are over here on the left side. Um, but you see the shiny thing and you go, but I got to <laughs> follow it. That's how I can like a movie like Frozen 2, which admittedly does not have good character development uh-huh. or, or, or story. Um, this movie I do feel has good character development and story. Um, I was blown away by this movie. I am a huge Pete doctor fan, uh, up inside out, obviously very important movies to me. Um, I completely respect the take that this is not a kid's movie. I, mm-hmm. I acknowledge that and I receive that and I agree with that. Um, I don't think I would show this movie to my kids until they were like 18. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think this is very much a movie made. I think in many ways, Pixar is growing up with a certain generation, the generation that were kids That's fair. when Toy Story That's fair. came out um, are now probably in their late 20s and thinking about a lot of this stuff. Yeah, Toy Story was 94. So I was two. Five. Yeah. 95. So I was three. Yeah. But uh, Toy Story 3, I have a particular connection to because uh, Andy goes off to college and I watched that movie for the first time my first week of college with a thousand other college students out on a big grass area. So like uh, we were all sobbing because we were all living that exact moment. So that's actually a a good observation um, that they're kind of transitioning from just making kids movies to making a certain generation of movies for uh, those people. Um, but I, I won't, I won't, I won't talk about soul. If you don't want me to. <laughs> um, we might have opportunities to talk about it in the future. Cause I do, I am pretty confident it's going to be the fourth animated movie nominated for best picture at the Oscars this year. I think there's definitely a What's spot for it. Onward? Um, definitely not onward. No, heck no. What are the, then what are your four? Wait, wait, sorry, what question did you ask? I thought you were talking about like what movies would be animated oh, best picture no, excuse or whatever. Me. The fourth animated movie in oh, history to get nominated for, for best picture. I'm hoping that happens. I'm hoping we get to devote more time to Soul um, in the future. I just adored I, this movie. I'm just going to say yes. one thing. That's all I'm going to say about yes. it. Is I think, whether it's five years or ten years from now, I think you're going to take another look at Soul. Hmm. And think, eh, well, you know, it's only okay. Mm. I think it's a, a movie that that uh, you specifically, not to bash on you at all. Go for but it. But just, well, you have a love for Pete Doctor and yes. you have a love for Pixar. I was very ready to love this have, movie. You were very ready to love this movie. Yeah. And so I totally understand falling in love with when you're ready to love. I get yeah. it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I see it having the potential that... Um, after some time has passed where you kind of go, yeah, you know, it was only okay. Um, I kind of get why people maybe didn't like it. Like I, I, totally. I c- could see this movie changing, uh, for you in the future. Um, not, not saying that you're going to agree with all of the observations that we've talked about off yeah. the pod. Yeah. Um, but it, it just has that kind of mood for me. Yeah. Totally. I feel that. I mean, I had bought the art of book before I even seen the movie. Yeah. Uh, so I was fully ready to accept You've been it talking it. about this movie. Do you, okay, there listeners, followers of the podcast, we did an episode however many months ago where yeah. we talked about our most anticipated movies. I think it was September. And this was your number one anticipated movie. And I was like, what soul? Like, it's <laughs> just, you know, we just had different... Um, different ways states of mind in yeah, approaching the movie absolutely so that's my number one thank you for joining us uh for hearing our top 10 list uh any movies that you think have the potential to break your top your top 10 for sure for sure um nomadland with francis mcdormand yeah uh i 
I'm assuming I'm going to love. I'm really excited about the father with um, uh, Olivia Coleman and oh Anthony Hopkins. I couldn't remember his name for a second. Um, I'm also looking forward to. I don't know if it's going to break any list, but uh, Malcolm and Marie. Yeah, I'm really totally. excited for. Um, Minari. People are really excited for. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Um, I don't know that I really care to see News of the World with Tom Hanks. I don't know. It's Tom Hanks reading the news. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be good, but like fun hang. It, it, fun hang. All right. You know, if I'm in that, if I'm in a fun hang mood, then maybe I'll do that. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm interested in Supernova. I don't see a world where I don't watch a movie with Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth. I just don't see that happening. Um, and then there's another Vanessa Kirby movie that I'm looking forward to more so because I, I want to see like Elizabeth Moss had two movies. Vanessa Kirby's going to have two movies. Let's find out, you know, that movie's called the world to come. I don't know if I mentioned that. And then there's one other one, the United States versus Billie Holiday that people are talking about too. Um, But to answer your question, I over explained um, (laughs) probably Nomadland, I think could, could break into the top 10. Um, Yeah. I guess probably that would be my assumption. Nomadland is probably going to win best picture or right. I should say it's running in first. God knows what's going to win best picture, but it's running in first on, on gold derby. Um, but as long as certain other movies, it's the kind of thing where there's like a group of like four movies that'd be like, if you won best picture, I'm cool with it. But as long as like mank doesn't win. Well, something that we need to get in the habit of on this podcast, I think is clarifying whether we are saying what we think should win and what we think is going to win. Cause those are two very different like well, things. So I'll say again, either way, I don't think mank should yes. be a part of that category. I don't think it should win. It'll I don't be think it should, I, I'm assuming it will be, but I don't want it taking the place of uh, more deserving films. Um, money but, down right now it's trial of the Chicago seven that's what I think personally is going to win best picture okay, okay didn't weren't people upset about Minari it, it got shoved into the foreign film category instead of I don't of, think so well, I thought par- it did Parasite well that's again that's the problem yeah. is people I think because a lot of it isn't in English and so it there has to be a certain percentage in English in order for it to be considered best picture yeah Parasite isn't in English at all there's not a word spoken in English in Parasite I think that might have been an old rule I think it that might have gotten overturned it was true for other ones because like the movie The Band's Visit which is a really good movie um, there isn't enough English in it, so it couldn't. It wasn't nominated. It might have been when they changed the name of because they changed the name of the award in the last five years. Actually, I think it might have been in 2018. They changed it from best foreign film to best international feature. Right. I I just remember there was some drama about the potential uh, nomination of where Minari could go. Yeah. That people were really upset about. So listeners, look it up. Correct us. <laughs> best of luck to you. Um. So, oh, sorry, but best picture, I don't I actually don't really want it to be the trial of Chicago 7. I don't either. Um, And I don't think it will be. I think people liked it, but I think, like, One Night in Miami, I, I don't see how that doesn't win the whole thing. Um, I think trial has sh- has has academy appeal, if I that makes sense. I think One Night in Miami has academy appeal, just a different kind of academy the appeal. The academy is a lot of old white guys. I, unf- well... 
up until last year, they did add a lot of members. They added a lot of members, well, and so I hope that that does. Parasite won Best Picture. I mean that that was definitely not an surprising. old white guy movie. <laughs> yeah, very surprising that yeah. that won. Uh, deservedly so. I thought it was yeah. really good. Um, and honestly, Moonlight won Best Picture. Like, what are we doing? Anything can win Best Picture. I think it's getting less political than it used to. Yeah. Um, we've got a long way to go. I took a, I took stock of uh, how many movies I had written down um, had a predominantly white cast, and it was like all of them, but two. But Ma Rainey in one night. Yeah. All the rest of them. Like, all of my best actress, like, it's really only Viola Davis. Like, it's just, we're, there needs to be more women and people of color in the running, um, and we're, we're moving towards that. There are a lot of black men and women that are running very high in terms of different categories like mm-hmm. you know the best actor categories and director and like and I, i'm afraid people are going to think that's because of all the blm stuff that took place in june yeah it's i don't not. think it's that's why it's because it's, it's good it's because yeah. it's actually good like chadwick boseman is good yeah. viola davis is good regina king is good yeah. like i i, yeah. I, I that's gonna be a frustrating narrative when that comes around yeah it's the same it's the same kind of sim- it's not the same it's a similar narrative to when uh movies directed or written or starring women or any kind of that focus or like oh well it's just up there because a woman did it it's like no it's right. because it's good like and i said at the top my i had five movies directed by women what yeah. four one starring it's all about opportunity yeah totally you know that you're gonna have uh your nominees are gonna look one way if movies if studios aren't letting other people direct them yeah write them act in them and that's what we're moving towards is a more equitable hollywood absolutely um which i'm a fan of i'm looking forward to talking about all things oscars and all things hollywood with you over the next coming months um i promise i want you to have this on a recording i promise that i will do a better job telling you (laughs) what we're talking about (laughs) in these episodes in the future you know that would honestly be a fun episode for only you um is if you (laughs) set you just invited me onto the podcast and then I sit down Instant you're like, okay, reactions. Yeah, yeah. All right, Anna, today you're going to talk about like you, you secretly like s- snoop my letterbox account yes. of like movies that you know I've seen, but you don't tell me that we're going to talk about them. Yeah. What a thrill for you what and a what a terror for me. But you know, sometimes that's how it goes. That's how it goes. <laughs> Anna, thank you for joining me. Listeners, thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm excited about what we have coming up over the next couple months on this podcast. And we will see you next time on Joey's Movie Podcast. Bye, everybody.